I just came back from the salon. And for the record, I went with a sassy little bob and quiet luxury shade of blonde. Yes, that's literally what we're calling it, quiet luxury. Aside from trips to the salon, I don't actually blow out my hair. My hair is naturally wavy, and that's why I love Way. Way's new anti-frizz cream is a lightweight cream that provides immediate frizz control that lasts for up to 72 hours. I know that I have a limited amount of time <laughs> with wet, wavy hair in which to get myself in order. And that is why I love the anti-frizz cream. It has notes of bergamot, Italian lemon, violet, and more. And it smells un. Believable, Truly, as someone who is a little bit sensitive to scents, I put this in my hair and I feel great. It also genuinely pairs well with my perfume, which I appreciate. I don't blow out my hair because after years of color processing and attempting to make it straight, I know it looks better and stays healthier when I avoid blow drying, which is why I love the anti-frizz cream. I've used products, especially with wavy hair, where it feels heavy and looks kind of wet. And that's why I love Waze Anti-Frizz Cream because it enhances the natural waves in my hair. I still look like me, just a little elevated. And P.S. I am way obsessed with Waze's other bestsellers. Their leave-in conditioner, detox shampoo, my personal favorite. Frizz free up your schedule with Way. Go to T-H-E- O-U-A-I dot com and enter promo code Andy for 15% off any product. That's T-H-E-O-U-A-I dot com with promo code Andy. I'm a madam in Paris and occasionally Craigslist. <laughs> you can turn your nose up at me, but that's okay because I just farted. You guys, it's Andy's girls. That's going to take me a second to digest, which I feel like is a word one shouldn't use so quickly with farting. But you guys, it's Andy's girls. It's episode 107, which I would say in French, except I don't know how to speak it. And I'm so excited. First timer, Caitlin Brodnick, the comedian, uh, the comedian, not a comedian, (laughs) but she's the comedian with a capital C. Not see you next Tuesday, James. Don't get excited. Mm-hmm. Comedian, author, and co-host of the Scam Wow podcast. Yes, Caitlin Broderick. It's Broderick. Broderick. I know. It's I okay. am dying. I'm I, so. I, I'm literally on Paris time right now. I'm. I'm like. You look lit- so good. Can I just tell Pause you? Pause the podcast. We got to talk about this outfit. <laughs> she looks amazing. Caitlin her necklace. Her Broderick slash Broderick. Yeah, call me whatever you want. I. So here's the thing. So I just went to Paris. Maybe you've heard of it. She did. She did. I went to Paris and I went, the first time I ever went to Paris was this past September. A friend of mine was like, I'm going for a work trip. Do you want to come? And I bought a ticket literally right then. I love your life. Um, I mean, like <laughs> underemployed. Under, hashtag underemployed. Fabulous. Hashtag available for life. You're doing great. Um, thank you so much. So this time I got this like $350 round trip ticket, Air France economy, like which is my version of first class. It is. So I was like, I have to do this. I have to go. And when I went in September, I spent so much time like shopping because mm-hmm. I just didn't know what to do with myself. So I was like, even though I had done a spreadsheet, whatever, because I'm a sociopath. <laughs> so this time I was like, Sarah Galley, um, live your best life. 
do all this shit that you didn't do before. I mean, I still had gone to like a lot of museums and stuff, but yeah. like I, I followed you on Insta. You climbed that tower. I fucking have a fear of heights. I went specifically to the Eiffel Tower to get a better photo than I had in September. Achieved <laughs> it. Um, Chic say la vie. And then I was like, let me go closer to it. And I went closer to it. And I was like, you know what? Let me maybe like climb it. And I have Tara. a terrifying paralyzing fear of heights and it didn't occur to me I swear to fucking god it didn't occur to me that climbing the Eiffel Tower would mean you were in a tall structure (laughs) until I was on step five when I think at that point I was out of breath yeah and I started thinking oh this is not going to be fun and there was almost nobody like climbing climbing it because Mm -hmm. we're all fucking morons and so I literally had a full panic attack and my thing with with like being essentially above ground like when I'm on a train Mm. that's above ground like going into Brooklyn or whatever I get anxiety Mm -hmm. like I have a genuine and so I it felt like something was it felt like my soul was trying to escape from my body (laughs) like I was it was like I was maybe Maybe it was maybe that was my dark passenger (laughs) I felt so genuinely scared and it like felt like it was swaying a little bit because it was windy. I think it does. It has to have like a little sway to it. <gasps> I know. Right there now, was, I saw a builder yes. inside of it. It was so crazy. So I did the climb. It's like 700 steps. Like that's the tallest you can climb. And then you take a lift to the tippy top. So I, when I was downstairs in like the Eiffel Tower lobby, they're like, what kind of ticket do you want? And I said, I'll do like the combo, even though I know I'm not going to go to the top, but just in case. Just in case. Who knows? So I went to the second floor. I was like, oh my God, I survived. And then... 700 steps and I was like well let's just fucking do it like life is short you're in Paris so I took it to the tippy top I was surrounded by like fucking French school children running around like (laughs) essentially like jumping over the side (gasps) parachuting down living there but doing like plie and I was like I literally was at the tippy top for maybe 45 seconds I was grasping the side like the core I did not go close to the edge but I did it it was Phenomenal. Paris did something to you, Sarah. Par- I here's the thing with Paris. <laughs> it kind of changed you in that moment. It kind of changed me. I did a lot of stuff. I went to um, Marais. I stayed at two great hotels. Shout out to um, Hotel Panache in, I think it was the ninth, and Hotel Duo in Marais. They were phenomenal, and they're like very like budget friendly, great. but great spaces. Highly recommend. Would go to both. So shout out to y'all, Mazel, um, Merci. And mm-hmm. so one day I was in um, Marais, and a friend of mine recommended this like bookshop slash restaurant this teeny tiny little place so French they have both (laughs) so French we have neither and I went in and there was like this couple this like French couple and they said would you like to join us and I was like of course so we went and then I was wearing this like roughly over the shoulder off the shoulder dress and the guy was like I need to kiss your breasts and I was like this guy in the couple yeah, he was like older. Oh, so there was like a threesome. It was it was a little bit of like um we love her. She's Moi gorgeous. OC. Like yeah. it was a little hashtag OC. But I was super kind of charmed by it. Sure. I don't know. The Frenchmen can get away with oh, fucking French get away with anything. anything. That they speak to you and you're like, My clothes are off. I know I literally <laughs> I don't know what was happened. I literally was disrobing. So I let him nuzzle my neck. I said, oh You can't gosh. cut my breasts, but I will let you kiss my neck. And he paid for <laughs> What a compliment. What a compliment. But guys, so I went to Paris for two days, went to London for days, went to Paris for two days. 
during the London trip, which we'll get to later, I had a key key mm-hmm. with some international AG listeners who were so amazing. We were in this bar called Disrepute in Soho. Um, shout out to Ronan DC and Taylor. I had so much fun. I am super socially awkward. Like sure. I pre- I masquerade as an extrovert, but I'm doing I'm, a podcast. Right. I mean, like things happen <laughs> in your living room. I mean, <laughs> you know, um, I masquerade as an extrovert, but I'm like secretly an introvert. So I'm super socially awkward when I like yeah. meet people. So I like shuffle and I'm like, oh, gosh, who yeah. are you? and it was so great. Um, so that was night one in London night. Day two in London, I did a high tea at the Ritz in London because I was like, because you're class, because I'm class and they and it was total class with the countess um, and they met all of I have all these crazy dietary restrictions, which they were able to meet. They were phenomenal. I walk in a guy puts a fucking napkin on my lap. I was like, where am I? They they bring out the because it's a it was an afternoon tea. They bring out the tea service. They put it on the table and I like look around frantic. I'm like, I don't know how to like touch Uh -uh. stuff. And it's because they come around. They like service Serve you, you in every way they always touch the pot and like whatever else and they it was so wonderful but I thought I was gonna eat like a gluten-free scone and like get the rest wrapped and be like a pretty lady I ate I like gorged <laughs> on everything I waddled out I couldn't stop eating because it was so good they had gluten-free scones with um quote-unquote clotted like coconut cream oh. instead of for instead of dairy yes it was so good it was so amazing I had so that was at 5 30 I was done there around 7 30 I had a dinner reservation good. at nine I'm proud of you I'm thank you so much and Keep I was going. like it was like that moment in pump rolls where they're like puke and rally puke puke and rally oh yeah like I didn't actually bomb but I genuinely was like I feel like the marshmallow man I went to that dinner at this amazing like new Indian place Um, which is a phrase I just made up Mm -hmm. in Chelsea called Kahani, one of the best meals of my entire life. And then after that, I was like, I want to go to jazz because I went to a lot of live jazz while I was there. So I go to what I thought was an 11 o'clock show. They said it was midnight. I said, no problem. So they had like a show before the show upstairs. Walk back down. It's like one of the most famous jazz places in London. Walk right down. There's this guy in line. This like British guy in line. We start talking tall and dashing we start talking they like bring us in to like you know seat us and it's like you know nice seating in the front and then like side tables and stuff and the server looks at me and he's like you look like a vip let me bring in the front and that guy who was in front of me was sitting in a back table and i said to him would you like to join me like yeah of course we started up a conversation someone thinks you're a vip you gotta spread the wealth i mean (laughs) i am compliment so generous you are i am so you didn't have to bring him up. I didn't have to bring him up. So he joins me at the table. We start talking. He tries to buy me a drink a couple times. I have gained 47 and a half pounds in the last three hours. So I was like in no mood for sure. alcohol or anything else. You're done. You're I was out. I was done. I just wanted water and like maybe my bed. We start talking at this like midnight show talk for about 90 minutes and he says do you want to I would say do you want to go for a drink but you're not drinking I was like yeah and he's like do you want to go for a little walk and I Mm. said sure we ended up walking from 1 30 in the morning until after the sun came out he I had to take a Eurostar I am so not well traveled he's like you should stay you shouldn't go on that train and I was like I was like, I have to because I don't know how Eurostars work. I didn't know that you could like easily reschedule them. Okay. We walked seven miles. He gave me a private tour of wow. everything in London. He's like kind of bougie in one of those like club, one of those like clubs that like the princes are patrons of. So we walked by that. We like walked by the Thames. We walked through everything. We, he, whatever. It was, it was. <laughs> 
Yeah. It was, it was Things really. Things are private for a reason. It was. It was a moment. I wish there was stuff for me to like keep private. It really nothing happened, which made it all the more like rom-com and cute and, and very romantic and like kind of sexy in the sense yes. that like he was like British. That's really yeah. all it takes. And um, so when we're, wa- he's walking me back to my hotel and I'm like, how's this going? And he goes, can I give you my number? And I was like, sure, of course. Yeah. And I decided at that moment to give him my business card, which I always love to give to people because it features a cartoon of me. And I, I think it. it's really funny. It. Oh, yeah, you have it. I, love I think it. it's like, I think it's, it's hilarious. Thank you so much. So I give him the business card. He's like, I don't need to give it. You don't need to give this to me right now. I was like, no, no, let me give it to you. And um, that's what she said. And then we walk to the, the shitty hotel that I'm staying in in Soho, which was totally fine, but like literally a closet. Otherwise, I would have invited him up. And so we like said goodbye and I was like, when you're in New York, I'd love to give you a tour. Bounce it, go wow, wow. And I, so he had my card, which has my silent email and I forgot to get his info, which he had offered to me and I had accepted. We said goodbye. I went upstairs, immediately started texting like 10 to 15 friends and being like, you will not fucking believe. I took a, pic- a picture of the sunrise. I was like, this was insane. Go back to Paris. And then I started thinking about it and I'm like, I don't actually know anything <laughs> about him I think his name was ramen all right because I remember thinking noodle okay and that's all I know I know that he went to Cambridge whatever their version of undergrad is and for a PhD in something and I know he works at the treasury but guys this is a very long-winded way of saying I don't know how to get in touch with him and yeah, come find me ramen come find me ramen because you know about Andy's girls yes I don't actually know if that's your name. And then I also feel like, should I really be searching for him? Because he has my info. But like, isn't this like that movie Serendipity where... I don't know. I didn't see it. But oh I just God, I've seen it wanted like to go to the dessert location. That's all I remember. Oh, my it. God. I have seen it <laughs> so many times. And this is like the book. This is like the mitten. This is like... Was he yeah. my John Cusack? He was tall and British. Did I mention he was tall and British? <gasps> yes. So Ramen Noodle, if... I know that your parents have a house in Lisbon. She knows a lot. I know ramen. your education. I know your interests and hopes and dreams. If I do not know your knows first name. This ramen noodle. If you guys know this ramen noodle <laughs> or how to get in touch with him, I literally Googled like the treasure. Yes. <laughs> I'm a sociopath and I feel like I should just be grateful for the memory because it was honestly one of memory. the most romantic things that's yeah. ever happened to me. But I also feel like ramen. I'm now on WhatsApp, which I wasn't on, but yes. I went to drinks with a friend my last night in Paris and he was like, you need to be on WhatsApp. He's going to try to contact you or like in case he does. Okay. So ramen noodle, <laughs> you might be such a good souvenir. I uh, that well, is that, that is, not so romantic? It's so it romantic. was so romantic, and he at one point I am such a fuck up with guys. He at one point like made a joke about like we sh- this is a good selfie moment, and I was like ha ha because I thought he meant me taking a photo of myself, right? And you were like ugh millennial joke, and it, and what, it I was I think he, he meant, wants to be with you. Yeah, I I am so bad at this. I I have I just heterosexual men. Yeah, it's hard. It's hard. I don't That's understand them. I don't. Yeah. I, I, I do not I need like a Google Translate for but like also it's it's heterosexual British men because I think they're very yes proper and respectful and by you saying like I don't need yours I'll give you mine maybe that's him being like oh I don't I don't, I don't think know. he thinks and the problem was that like he invited guys I'm gonna get a little extra he invited me back to his place but I honestly was so 
carb bloated. I mean, because you when, had to go. I bathroom. couldn't. <laughs> and it's like I could. I had, had four different dishes at the Indian place because I was like, fuck it. When in when in London, own. I couldn't imagine. <laughs> doing anything because I was like I was like we just need to keep walking I need to like walk this off Off. so I now feel like I probably was like friend zoning him inadvertently but I didn't mean to so ramen noodle (laughs) British ramen noodle with a very posh accent like very posh well okay I guess you could google Cambridge I guess I, did. I linked. I mean, in. I'm sure you did. This is how insane I am. I <laughs> we went, all Google. We've done. I it. went to LinkedIn and searched for every single person who said their company was HM Treasury. Oh my God! I hope that Ramen Noodle actually isn't listening to this. Ramen Noodle, if you're listening to this, stop listening and, and just pretend I'm her. very cool and normal and not at all insane. Or it's totally flattering because nowadays you have to Google. Like people assume you'd Google. They'd assume you you look stuff up on them. Um, but also, I hope he wasn't lying about that. He could be really posh and like trying to get oh, a job God, there. So bad. No, I think he was telling the truth, even though I don't know. And the problem is like, I don't actually know that was his first name because we were in a jazz club and it was loud. I don't mm. know his first or last name. I don't remember is what he creepy? studied. Could you call the club and oh. ask? <laughs> Did you already? <laughs> I emailed them last night. <laughs> I said, hashtag, uh, uh, thanks. Shout out to a friend of the show, James LaRosa, who was like, what do you have to lose? So I yeah. literally, I'm looking, t- I emailed Ronnie Scott's where we went and I said hey shout out jazz club um I ended up going to the May 13th show I had such a good time speaking of I really enjoyed meeting someone sitting with me and realized I got his name wrong maybe (laughs) anyway for you to look it up if it helps we sat together at a table in the front section and his two drink order included an espresso martini and some like a brown liquor which I didn't know what it was Mm -hmm. let me know thanks we ended up going for a long walk after but that's so, but of all countries, like sociopath. Yeah. In all countries, I feel like France would get it. No, but this is London. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Where are we? We're in London. No, France would be like, fuck you. No, France would be like, this is his number. This France is would his... be like, do you need a condom? Yes, France let's would be get like, it together. We have sex. our own person room. Um, no, I this am... is London, which, yeah, I... might be a little more proper. Uh, see, I, when I was in London studying abroad, I had so many times where it was like an incredibly romantic moment walking at night like just kissing in the dark like it's just it was so lovely like London is amazing you know what I didn't die for London no I mean um for the ambiance yeah yeah yeah. (laughs) I didn't die for it because I felt like it was so close to Manhattan until that happened and then I was like oh shit London's like not fucking around this was incredible and seeing Mm -hmm. London in the middle of the night when there was nobody else there and we walked it's sort of like the curtains come down yes. and it feels much more grown up yes. and X-rated and also safe because London. Yeah, it felt super safe. It still feels like there's like a decorum that's there, but it, it's very sexy at the same time. Um, Totally agree. So London listeners or if I have any listeners from the CIA or mm-hmm. um, what's the James Bond one? 007s. I only think the like Queens, M- whatever, M60, M16 or I, no I think that might be a gun. Green ma'am. I don't know. Whomever. Guys, if you can find ramen Help for me. Out. Help oh, her out. Right? And speaking of, like, 
I felt like Real Housewives was popping in and out. So I had that Kiki with some amazing international AGs, which was so fun. I went to a shop in Notting Hill and started talking about LVP. I don't know how. With like a a Vincent. He just had so many thoughts and feelings. We talked about Housewives for like literally a half hour. Did you know her? Was he like. He was not team LVP. And I find that Mm -hmm. fascinating that a Brit was not. Yeah, she's annoying. I mean, we'll get into it. So all this to say, guys, that was. So this is the episode. Thanks so much for listening. Okay, bye. (laughs) Bye. Um, So let's talk about all things Housewives. So guys, I had so much fun. Thanks to those of you who Venmoed me um, money and that's the name so of your nice. favorite. That's so nice. Yeah, some people like really gave me some cash. And then, so guys, that's still open because I am now heavily in debt. Um, Venmo me the name of your favorite housewife in a dollar and I'll love you forever. Um, so Caitlin Brodnick, yes. you are a comedian, mm-hmm. author, mm-hmm. co-host of an amazing podcast called Scam Wow. You just mm-hmm. did a Reddit AMA. So fun. How was that? Were the people cool? Was Serena's so husband cool. there? How was it? I don't even know his name. I just know him as like Mr. Serena. No, I don't know. Is he a Reddit guy? I don't know anything. He like created it or whatever. Yeah. But like cool. who cares? He's cool. married to Serena. That's yeah. his like number Serena's one. Serena's guy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, it was amazing. So we, my friend Sue Smith and I are both comedians and we love scams. And it's really like the season of scam right now. And it's because yes. where our government is. where our political station is there's a lot of terrible things happening in the world and actually scams are on sort of the the scale uh, right now in our zeitgeist not that big of a deal like maybe like 10 years ago if somebody was scamming somebody it was a it was very upsetting and a huge deal and nowadays we've been bombarded with such terrible news and so many horrible things happening literally like in our own government that now scams are sort of quaint and there is this American fascination with like good for her <laughs> she did it and and also scams aren't most people aren't dying during scams or being yeah. shot or something you know like something really terrible so they're sort of fascinating and I believe scams people think are something you could kind of do it's not like you see somebody who's a research scientist for cancer and you're like that's an admirable I could never do that a scam is sort of a lie we've all told lies and there's this kind of fascination with how did this person get away with something that is technically bad but they might have benefited from it Mm. and so that's our little that that's why we became obsessed and we actually covered we have two episodes of Real Housewives scams so (laughs) tell me everything about so who do you think is the biggest scammer separate from your favorite scammer Mm. who is the biggest scammer that you think has graced housewives of any franchise so I'm very newish to housewives because I came to housewives during um, a dark time during postpartum depression (laughs) and it was great it was so great so I did some deep dive research but I can tell you the most recent scammers but I don't know like I'm not somebody who could be like oh I know this person from season two and I feel I feel guilty about that to the true fans but I'm a new housewives girl I mean I'm a serious girl but newish so who are your in your estimation the most like the iPhone generation 9 scammers yeah I think um PK is fascinating because we're not talking about him yeah I think LVP scams we all know on the producer side um I think the Gorgas and Judices are I don't think the Gorgas has done too much but the Judice scam is sort of like this ingrained um I just love I love Jersey I'm a huge Jersey fan and I think that was it's kind of fascinating if you rewatch Jersey like how much they've been scamming and what Teresa was like in on Mm. and what she wasn't Mm -hmm. and then what are the other scams oh there was the we covered the Brooks cancer scam (gasps) 
which was, I think, one of the worst. It's, it's weird crazy. because there was so much financial scamming and like illegal activity scamming, but from a morality perspective. Yes. And how you would, there are people going through cancer. And our guest on, when we covered the podcast, not this is an ad for my podcast, guys. I'm sorry. No, I'm I love this. No, this she, is great. Her parents went through that exact kind of cancer. So she was like, I'm watching going, that's not what somebody looks like. And we talk about Megan King Edmonds, who's this little Girl Scout that comes in and saves a day. Yes. I mean, you know, it's it's great. But I don't. I feel like there are some big scammers that I'm not. I'm not as well like versed on mm -hmm. some old school New York probably scammers. And then I feel like everybody feels like Heather Dubrow. Her existence is a scam. <gasps> really? That's what I've gotten because I'm. I listen to all podcasts now about housewives. I'm trying to pick up and catch whatever I can, but I. There's just these infamous housewives, Gretchen. Everybody sort of feels like they as people are scammers. Yeah, there's something interesting where you may be misrepresenting your reality for a reality show to such an extent that it is, in fact, a scam. Like right. Gretchen's proposal to Slade was Bizarre. incredibly manufactured. Yeah. And in that way, their proposal came off on screen like a scam. When you talk about lvp scanning scamming people that is interesting i i don't I, do you think that manipulating and scamming are the same thing oh no you're totally right um no so i think scamming is like getting away with some well i think lvp is a manipulator massive manipulator i think she's a victim a player she plays victim very well you and, and camille are in agreement this week yeah i think i mean i oh i hate camille but i i do think that um lvp has very comfortably sat on her throne like guys i'm just trying to help and she is this saintly character on vanderpump and then when she's not treated like a saint on beverly hills she's completely distraught and she thinks if anybody questions her because they're not treating her like she's their employer or boss she thinks they're a bad friend mm -hmm. I think to her a good friend is somebody who treats you like you're their boss or you're and she wants people to act like they're her employees similar to like Bethany mm -hmm. that's what they value in like a good friend um and she like looking back like she has just infiltrated and orchestrated all of these storylines to to make her seem like this perfect, sad little puppy, rich, sad, gorgeous little puppy, which is so bizarre. And right at the preview or the, the end of this last episode where she took the lie detector test, he asks her a question and she goes, huh? And she repeats the question back to him. So in that time that she took to pause and think about the question and then repeat the question back without answering it, calmed her blood pressure and calmed she her heart rate. about her blood pressure. Well, she goes... Well, she's sitting there and they, they go, have you ever in the history sold a story leaked to Leaked a story to Radar yeah. Online. Not did you leak this story, which has been her like, Right, but have you ever. ever. And she goes, oh, this is a little tight talking about her armband. That is not the response. She's needed to answer yes or no. So she actually like manipulated that moment too and is trying to like hold on and give herself like a breath to then respond. Do you think it's crazy? To me. Do you think she's scamming the audience by saying that she was in no way involved in leaking stories? I think she has decided that um, she it's almost those people that say, like, you know, don't touch the yellow line. Well, it's like, well, I didn't touch the yellow line, but I was like right next to it staring at the yellow line. And like I might have like touched a piece of paper that touched the line that touched like so she's I almost feel like she's holding on to a grain of truth that she believes is real. But is blocking everything else out. 
What do you think of John Sessa? Do you think he's scamming the audience? Do you think he's involved? I think John Sessa is thirsty. I mean, it's so obvious. Like, he's just very excited. And I'm sure she is feeding him lines like, oh, my God, we're going to get you mic'd up. We're going to get you in here. And he just wants to have a billion more Instagram followers and feel really fabulous in his community. It's just very self-serving for him. And the audience is looking at it like this is going to fall. Like, it's not going to go well. Him going after, John Sessa going after Ariana on Twitter and being like, enjoy your $2 million house which is somehow money and success shaming her which is like cool cool but that was definitely an LVP if, if she didn't write that tweet for him she said to him over and over again I've paid for their careers I've done this for them they're not loyal to me like she is just reiterating it and you've seen it with any of her little like peons and anybody they always go you guys should be really more grateful for LVP like everybody who she has sort of got her handle on, has repeated the same story that she's told them over and over again. She kind of finds people that don't either know enough to question it or aren't thinking that deeply to just like follow whatever she says. Do you think that she'll show up to the reunion? I, if she doesn't, okay, if she does, she'll show up as like this extreme reveal and they're going to make a fanfare and she's like, and she graced us with her presence, like, or she won't show up. Like she, she has to be babied and coddled and sort of like carried out on like a seashell dish to do anything. And it, it's really bizarre. I find it fascinating that the idea that she won't show up or that they'll film like a loose style special or a Kim Richard style special where he'll do it on a different day and then like slice it um, inside the reunion. I wonder why if I was LVP, I would show up for a hot second and then like have hashtag fake lime mm-hmm. and like excuse myself but I would show up and bring up Mauricio's legal troubles I would mm. show up and be like cool 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 we can talk about Raider online or we can talk about PK being mm-hmm. sued by like Vegas or whatever mm-hmm. for several million dollars and like declaring bankruptcy and like they're fleeing. in bed with PK you think who's Almost in bed literally. with <laughs> I think LVP and they're they've put they've given PK a lot of money and I think he you think that they've given PK yes. money yes Wait, based yes. on what? Okay, not to destroy our scam wow episode, but um, Ken was a soccer player, football player in London, in England, and PK worked for a soccer club and was like a manager. And then he got ostracized from that because you're not allowed to like bid or gamble. And we think, please don't sue me, we think that PK did some sort of gambling. So they know each other from like old old times. Wait, and soccer. first up, Ken played sports. Yes. And he was very hot. Also, I have another theory. <laughs> That's a scam. Yeah, no, he was very hot. Another theory that maybe Ken leaked the information to Radar because he's so gung-ho about Lisa being perfect that maybe Ken is like, and I know she would never do it because I think he did it. Could he walk over to a computer, though? I think he is has a little phone call. I think there's like a speed dial on their old-fashioned phone. And he's like, I'll tell you something, Radar. And I think he did it. This is all like because there are so many theories. There are theories that Teddy maybe did it. There are theories that Dorit did it. Dorit and PK themselves. So wait, so so they were working for he was so PK was working for a soccer club or whatever. Yes, Ken was like, yes, footballing. Yes, PK got fired. Or pushed out. Yes. And we believe it's, we think it's because you're not allowed to, if you're in that community, like bet on teens, that's completely illegal. And he has an extreme gambling addiction. The one good thing PK did is he like bought a house 
and then sold it and in that sale made like 10 million dollars at one point in his a life. house where in beverly hills or in I london I, I think it's either in russia or dubai guys <laughs> i can't remember i said it on my own podcast oh my you God. Got, i gotta go listen to it again you guys have to listen to it <laughs> it's blurry right now but i just because i like blocked it out because it was so insane he got in a enormous sale out of this and so then he decided I believe in his soul he's a businessman and then he also like is I think kind of a bitch and um spent all of his money and has a gambling addiction but in his heart of hearts like most the scam artists we know feel that I'll get you back like I'll repay you right because money he will always right it's cyclical wealth is cyclical he'll get it back yes and when you gamble and you get an absurd amount of money the faith in working hard for your money I think kind of gets chipped away like when you get money that easily when you bet on something or when you sell something you kind of go like oh this is a joke in a sense. And so I think he deeply feels like this this lawsuit, whatever, is just a pain in my ass, but we'll get back to it. But in the most recent episode, he looked like death. So I think the uh, lawsuit is getting to him. And also like the diabetes. He looks so bad. He, he looked look like great. just death. He looked so pale. He looked like a thumb that had like going, was going bad. So <laughs> Ken gave him money? In I don't, I can't, this is not, I don't know firsthand, but I have a feeling that because they all talk about their ties are so deep, their ties are so deep. And so I think that Lisa and Ken had faith in him and thought that maybe Lisa feels bad for every boy. She has this like every boy to her is is an abused puppy. She doesn't care about women. And she thinks that if women are doing what she's doing, they're worse than her. I think she likes Lala because she sees that Lala is like likes sees like and Lala's sort of like opportunism and because she's counsels Lala on how to behave but other women she thinks could could cast away Kristen she doesn't care she doesn't care about Katie as Katie was saying on the on Vanderpump sorry guys we're flipping all over no I love this this is like no no this is great keep going keep going don't apologize okay so she casts aside women for whatever reason we don't know well Dorit did say that her mother her parents didn't really love her like I don't know what that relationship is Wait, Um, Dorit said that Dorit said a season ago that and that was like why she and LVP got into fights because she said that uh, Lisa had to like vie for her parents' love a lot and she wasn't really. Loved. Oh yeah, yeah, Lisa. Yes. Said, oh yeah, sorry, sorry, yeah. sorry. I thought your Dorit was saying that about herself. I was no, like, no, I think. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. She said that. She said that. Yeah. So I Nanny K was like stepped in was the surrogate. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So for whatever reason, we're at today where LVP does not like women. She only likes sad men and she wants to rescue them all like her puppies like everybody um and I think that her power over men and her power either financially or romantically because she was like super hot and had her way with people and was in control and was this like Adonis is there a female Adonis like Aphrodite yeah or like yeah Amazonian she was amazing yeah so I think that gives her a lot of self-esteem and confidence that she can save people her brother, obviously, she couldn't save. And I think something could have happened deep in her history where at some point PK or his friends helped her brother. Like, her brother is, like, a deep-seated connection, I think, with all of them. <laughs> Sarah's I... face is dropped open. I mean, when you see something that deep, when they talk about deep friendships, that is, like, somebody helped somebody from a cocaine overdose. Somebody took somebody to the hospital. Like, those are young, young kids getting fucked up that stayed with each other through the whole thing and through their successes. Do you think that (laughs) LVP was scamming her co-stars by discussing the death of her brother, or do you think it genuinely affected her during (sighs) filming? Okay, so death is so hard. I have 
had a lot of death in my life and it is mm. it does change you and make you sort of go I don't give a fuck about you guys it it does at that moment um you can't really use it as an excuse but I do know a person changes by what they care about they literally don't care anymore and they become much ab- about superficial things Mm -hmm. things that maybe you were all stressed about like once you go through a deep depression once you lose somebody things that used to matter to you become cheaper and that's probably a good thing you know like like things aren't as important um and so I do think she was changed but I do think Lisa is really good at and I used to do this when I was so I'm sober now when I was drinking I used to do this I used to pick um, an excuse and victim victimize myself in this situation go like but you guys this was so hard for me and really like work that muscle of me being in the the bad situation or it being so hard for me to like make people feel bad for me so that it went better my way does that make sense yeah yeah so I think she's just very good at spinning a tail so she comes out looking really well I think the facts are true like she's probably devastated I think the history with her brother is the saddest thing think of all the puppies she rescued she couldn't rescue him like it's deep deep sadded but I also it's deep deep sadded no no I got it yeah but I also think that she has this muscle that she works really well where she's like guys I'm in a tough way you have to have this extreme amount of pity or make these exceptions for me. And I don't know. And it just sounds like these other girls, uh, the rest of Beverly Hills are like, oh, it's, you know, time's up. It's been a, sorry, not, <laughs> not time's up. Jax uh, is like, no, Jax, that's the right use yeah, of it. Jax, that's the right, Jax, that's the right yeah, use. Yeah, hashtag Jax. Um, no, I think they're all like, it's enough already. And I actually think they all are sort of looking at each other behind the scenes going, are you going to be done with it? Are you going to be done with it? Like they all are kind of holding hands to go if we're going to do it we're going to do it together and go against LVP but I do think this is a very sad time in her life but I don't think she always says can a leopard change his spots and I don't think she's ever changed any of her spots like she's changed her outfits but she's who she is do you think she do you think she's saying that about no 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 I think this is so fascinating do you think that she recognizes that she is behaving that way as she does it no, I think it's a, it's a survival because she wants to look. I mean, look at the way she looks. Her skin is still perfect. Her hair is looks like um, a Kate Middleton hair constantly. Yeah, yeah. So she, at the end of the day, she has this like deep need to come off the way she wants to control the situation. And so I think it's almost a quick response, like how Bethany just destroys somebody emotional. Like she'll just... Bethany will say something that cuts you down right. that you're thinking and you would never say aloud. Yeah, so, it just comes from her core. Yes. And so I think LVP from her core is just to survive and look perfect and appear great. And so I think she does these automatic responses or automatic, um, who knows, she could check John, she could tell her husband this, she could tell a sob story this just because that's her, that is her go-to reaction. And then afterwards, she's, I think, since learned that um, maybe it didn't look so good and it wasn't a great choice. And so she also learned the way to like apologize correctly it's it's so everything is so manufactured and yet yeah there she has such a big fan base people love her people do not think that she can do anything wrong like they genuinely fervently believe and I find it fascinating they genuinely fervently believe that she has never leaked anything she's not doing it now that Dorit's a piece of shit and that's why whatever Mm -hmm. LVP does doesn't matter I mean because she's being bullied Dorit has been a piece of shit like other people there is evidence again it's other people in 
obvious season earlier seasons being shitty so that's accurate these her supporters are accurate of being like other times these characters sucked you know i'm calling them characters because that's what's happening no, but that's that's what they um, are especially on um especially in beverly hills yes yeah but i do think that i think lvp the way she set they they literally set her up the editors as to kind of be the narrator the grandmother the grand dame of the episode <laughs> oh my God. And I think people don't want to think ill of their grandmas. <laughs> I oh, do. I think it's a personal thing. Of all the things she would be pissed that you just said, <laughs> yeah. grandma I, yeah. is the she's number one. She's senior. the grand dame. She's, she's the grand dame. Yeah. And I think that she, I hope she doesn't listen to this, but I think that she, um, people her iTunes her. review is going to be rough. <laughs> ah, rough, tough stuff. Me. I think people look to her as this voice for, Beverly Hills and you don't want to think and you want you want to forgive your your elders and your grandmother you also as a viewer do not want to feel like you were scammed you were duped the whole time that's the whole thing with scamming is that if you choose a side and you have loved this person and they have been your number one Mm -hmm. since the show began you don't want to feel like that was a lie no so I feel like when people are going to bat for her what they're doing is going to bat for themselves Mm mm-hmm not to say, by the way, that they're wrong. We no. don't ultimately know. She may well have not leaked this. And if she didn't, I feel bad oh for my her. God, then she really got fucked. Yeah. But that doesn't mean that she didn't manipulate stuff before. And we saw that clip several episodes of Camille after the whole table, uh, Taylor Michigas, Camille literally saying, like, you told me to say this. Like, yes. If she didn't do it this time, it doesn't mean that Adrian Maloof was wrong. Right. It doesn't mean that. Camille was wrong it doesn't mean that Kyle was wrong or Brandy was wrong with those us magazines or whatever it was about Mauricio it 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 could be somehow that she didn't do this but it doesn't mean that she doesn't have a questionable history sure and I think she I think she also uses that questionable history I think for her the connection to the media makes her feel more powerful like she wants her hand in there because she feels that I believe and you know we can go back and forth but if you aren't connecting with the media and you are being foolish like you should if you are a person of you know on in the papers oh, same yeah. yeah you should have your hand in that in some case to help them make it so you look better like just like you would have your clothes tailored I think you would have a good relationship with the press and I think that's what she believes and I don't think Americans I think kind of we are built on honesty it's really big and I think like honest even though America's not very honest right now but Americans like feel it's one of our core values and if somebody's dishonest it's really disgusting um but I think so that's what people are upset about. But I think she looks at it as opportunistic and you're ignorant if you're not opportunistic. And she's not wrong. No. And also it's, it's, I don't know if it's really, you know, for her, like being super honest hasn't always helped her. And like who, if it hasn't helped you, I don't know. I don't, I just don't think, I think it's also, it might be crazy, but like British and American values are different. And I think that, um, her take on, I think they were such big deals in London and they come here and like, you guys are idiots. Like, I do think they believe that they just have one over on us. Doesn't she though? Yeah. Yes. 
I mean, it feels like she has always been one step ahead of everybody yes. else. And I think if you go into that, it's almost like the secret, like manifest what you want. If you go into this franchise going, I'm going to be above this. I'm going to have one ear out, one eye out and see what's going on to make sure I look really good. Like Bethany is, you know, what Bethany said to, I can't remember who, to whom it was, but she said, oh, what are you going to sell for your, it was a new housewife that came in and Bethany is like, oh, so what are you, what's going to be your um, platform? And Bethany knows that like Real Housewives is a platform. So she had Skinny Girl. She had Skinny Girl brand. And so Bethany comes into this knowing it's a part of a business right. franchise. She was the first person to monetize it. Yes. and I, But I do think LVP, without saying it, knew that this was also a business. I also think that New York is the best overall from an individual perspective of doing their very best to manipulate press. I mean, page six yeah. is like, if on Sex in the City, New York is like the extra character, yeah. then on Real Housewives of New York, page, <laughs> page six, six is. Because they use it yes. every single day. It's always they like do. sources said. And what that source is like Dorinda texting a yeah. reporter and being like, guess what the fuck happened? And I think it's that of like, say something nasty about yourself before anybody else does or that thing of like you gotta you gotta get in there and say your piece before anybody else has something to say it's a very like cutthroat and also it's very New York I mean that's what we do where we want to be faster stronger and you know more on top of news than anybody else so your favorite franchise is Jersey it is Jersey who's your favorite Jersey <laughs> housewife it's Melissa I cannot take my eyes off her. She's no. so beautiful. You might be the first person I I've ever had on the show who said Melissa is I their favorite. Love I find that fast. I'm not, I'm not I agreeing or disagreeing. Boobs. I'm just. Like, I love her clothes. I love her bizarre relationship with her family and kids. I love her house. I just want to watch her. I want to. I want to be her friend. I want her to loan me jewelry and tell me how to wear it. I, I love her. She is a. Uh, art piece to me <laughs> I am so I mean like I'm grateful you didn't say tree but no. on the other hand I find that so interesting yeah I just I cannot get enough for it is almost like she's the Italian JLo to me and I think she's modeled herself after that as well like I just <laughs> Sarah can't talk she's dying <laughs> I'm laughing so hard you actually can't hear it that is the greatest. <laughs> Melissa Gorga, a thousand percent, has a Google alert on herself. I will make sure that she's I one of the tags so on the episode. Calling Melissa Gorga the R-H-O-N-J J-Lo is the greatest is. thing that has ever happened to her. <laughs> she's so beautiful. Does that make Joe A-Rod? Joe is better than, no, uh, she is better than J-Lo in her love life. I will say she has out done JLo in love life because JLo and I've been a JLo fan for so many years really has a big heart and will just want to marry anybody (laughs) and I love JLo but she is loving and she will lock something down which is like she's like that's how I am like I luckily met the most amazing man in the world but if I had not met him I would have multiple (laughs) marriages by now because I really love love and I really love settling down but then JLo gets stuck with these men and she realizes like she is larger and if they start to try to like dim her light she's got to move on and I think she has a big guys I have a lot of theories she has a big team and a big like warm family around her to say like you have to do JLo and you can't be held down by a man so she moves on but I think Melissa Gorga really lucked out and found this man that worships her and every change and addition she makes to making herself better, he's just like blown away. I think Joe Gorga, every time she does something, he's like, oh, you are just, 
you really used your brain right there. Like he just everything she does. But it seems like he's been playing this part of like women stay home. I'm man, you woman. No, he's just very scared that his daughter is never going to come back. And it looks like a father, a fatherly thing. Like, I think he is. That his daughter's going to follow her mom's footsteps and become like an independent woman. Totally independent. And then not have to. I mean, the guy is a mush, a piece of like wet, soppy, loving newspaper. The minute he speaks about his girls like he is such a puppy dog and also reveal guys I have so many theories thanks for listening um um, Teresa said that her parents used to like beat them with a belt like the belt would come out if something was if wrong and so I think they had a rough childhood and I don't think they were given many options and gender was not equal it was very one or the other and Mm -hmm. so I think Joe is coming probably was beaten as a kid if he did something wrong, um, is coming from this idea that like, and Teresa would say like, my parents said, I didn't need to know about that. Or girls don't need to know about this. She, mm-hmm. because I, we deep dived into her scams, her financial issues. And she said that she didn't know she had to like double check paperwork. And that as a woman, you should not trust your husband on everything. And you should read the fine lines and you should check yourself. She just trusted that you do what the man says. Mm-hmm. And so I think of that they are brother and sister. So that, damage that you see Teresa's experience is what Joe was probably also told so I think he is like somebody who is learning that he's five beats behind and I think that's really hard for him and I think it makes him feel very um, emasculated and feel very bad that he's not keeping up with maybe maybe his values and what what he believes in and loves might not be what's accurate right now and I think it makes him feel very nervous do you think Joe Giudice 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 should go back to Italy (laughs) okay guys he's a dreamer can we just say he's what Trump is afraid of he's a dreamer so like why and they love Trump she said it they're huge Trump supporters so I don't know I think that's the funniest thing in the world that it's so public Joe is a dreamer he's in a detention facility right now I know and that's what Trump is like fundamentally proud of to do this to people and he was doing to these poor children and then the people who supported him at heart he's super emotionally (laughs) immature well with I I have I don't have that much sympathy when children are dying in detention centers yeah. I just, my heart is very cold to that. And then to be like, but he wants to be with his family. Well, yeah, that two-year-old wanted to live. Sorry, guys. I am the most We just angry. took a dark turn. <laughs> <laughs> I am so angry about that. And that's who they support. Speaking so, of being angry. You can cut all this if you no. <laughs> Speaking of being angry, what do you think about Margaret v. Danielle? If we're talking about scammers. Uh, I think Margaret is very similar to well Margaret does what everybody wants to do on TV like she just does like she pushed Danielle's fiance in the pool like she yeah, husband's in the pool husband one of the greatest moments greatest of all time moments. one like, of the greatest lines of all time ever yeah of all time and she just says she's so authentic that because they talk about sometimes in Housewives that a couple seasons in you can really see them being editing themselves like yeah, yeah. LVP she's very masterful sure but like the reason I love Denise Richards adore oh, Denise Richards so good. and the reason I love certain housewives is because they're not all edited out and I think Margaret is a self-made woman she her and her husband have the most adorable love um at that time at that pool party Danielle's 
guy was saying like Margaret's ugly. Yeah, he was saying terrible, terrible horrific things. things. I know. And you did want him to be pushed in the pool. But then everyone's like, how could somebody physically assault someone? And I'm like, guys, he needed to be pushed in the pool. Like he, he, he was needed, dirty. He, was, he, needed he needed to, to be cleaned. cleaned. He needed it. He needed it. <laughs> yeah. He really she was doing it. like a, what's the thing a baptism she did she needed to like cleanse that idiot he needed to find jesus right and then still like in the reunion she's saying you destroyed his faith like she i think margaret i like her a lot and i in the beginning i didn't i, th- I think the reason i like margaret is because she says things accidentally that we're all thinking like when she was talking about jennifer's husband cheating on her mm-hmm. that rang really true to me i was like she, then she's like oh no it was a mistake and i could tell margaret's like this isn't worth the storyline. Like when she apologized, she's like, it's not worth going down this. Seeing how crazy Jennifer went. I think Margaret was like, yeah, it's not worth it. It hit a chord, but it's, this is not worth it. It's so interesting. I am really searching behind what everyone says when I watch these. I find it fascinating that Jersey is your favorite. I can't get over that. Is Melissa your favorite? So Melissa is your favorite of Jersey. Is she your favorite housewife overall? Yeah. (laughs) I can't. I honestly, yes. my mind is blown. Yes. I don't know that I have ever, the 107 yes. episodes of Andy's Girls, <laughs> I don't know that anyone has ever said Melissa Gorga. And no judgment, by no, the way. I love her. I Hashtag love her envy so by much. Melissa Gorga is a I thing still her. somehow. Jersey, you know, Jersey has a dialect. They have a style. It's like going to another country. And it's all this behavior and pattern and the way they dress and look is so... Um, specific it's like if you go to india you know you're in india if you go to jersey you know you're in jersey like it's it's a culture that it's deep um there's a lot of mob history and i'm i know a lot about that as well with caroline yes oh caroline and so some of these people no she she doesn't need to but her life's too special at this moment but so many of these people i (laughs) i'm gonna stop talking about podcasts but we talked about the mafia in our last step one of our last episodes and the mafia was just sort of um fizzled out and kind of uh broken up in the 70s and 80s so these people some of these people's in new jersey's parents and grandparents were active members and things were going fine until it got broken up so we're acting like the mafia was from the 40s but it's right in like a couple years ago to me I mean it feels pretty recent and if you talk about the history of the mafia and there's a great book called the five families and when immigrants came over from Italy they weren't just like um people would think they were criminals they were actually really smart businessmen and political figures as well and so it was this they had the mafia set out um a group of rules that you had to follow so it's almost like they had a binder like a notebook of that you had to do these certain rules and if you wanted to off someone you had to get like an appeal from the larger group I mean they went through kind of like a government style system and it was all based on family and trust and I think those that is ingrained in a bunch of New York City and New Jersey culture probably also in Chicago as well as like these families it the mafia wasn't just like a business and you it was a family business so this idea of loyalty is so deep rooted like in my family I grew up from Russian immigrants my great great parents and theirs was about my family their number one core value was education and family and that my poppy used to say to me nobody can people can rob you people can steal from you you can be like taken out of your home but they can't steal 
what you know, your knowledge. They'll never be able to take that. Oh. And family is most important. And so that's that's what that was like a fundamental thing I grew up with that nobody could rob you from your brain. And I feel like in Jersey, they have their historic things that their grandparents and families have told them. You can't turn your back on your family, especially if you're in an, a there's a chance of violence. Like you have to have something that's pure and special. So <laughs> I'm going really into it, but I, I really feel like Jersey is so into this. Is so I'm having like a own, Bravo hard on yeah, for what you're talking about. They have their own right culture, their own folklore. And that I appreciate. I don't see that folklore in Beverly Hills. Sometimes in Atlanta, not in Potomac. Like, I mean, and they're entertaining shows. Like I like watching shows. I like women being strong, but the, the history, historic significance of family and shame and lies and friendship is very deep for me in New Jersey. Do you think that Luann exhibits some of that in New York where she feels that loyalty is looking at her in one lens at all times? Well, I learned this when I met my husband. Um, When I was younger in my in my experience if somebody made you feel bad they were a bad person even if you did something wrong even if I hurt your feelings but you made me feel really bad or you really embarrassed me you were mean and my husband was like no Caitlin like if you do something bad you should feel bad for it it's not because you need to be accountable yeah like which I didn't like um but he was like yeah that's if he learned the healthy way of like if you are wrong and somebody shows you how you hurt them they're not adding shame onto your pot there's a difference between accountability and shame yes and you just have to be being held responsible for something isn't doesn't make somebody a bad person for being honest and and if you feel bad that's okay you can feel bad people move on after feeling bad I do feel like Luann has that which I see in myself of that old part that how dare you make me feel worse for already doing something that I did bad I already feel bad enough and that you're a bad friend if you shine a light on it and also, you're a bad friend if you do not support me at all times all in times. all of the ways that I Even have decided. Even if I'm really icky and mean to you. Okay. So New York is airing now. We know behind the scenes that Luann is facing some legal yeah. challenges. She failed an alcohol test in April. Mm-hmm. She said she had two mimosas. She said she mm-hmm. had two mimosas after a show. She, Florida and or New York, Florida says, can you wear an alcohol bracelet? She says, no, because of my show. That's insane. Florida says, can you go to an outpatient program? She says, no, because of my show. New York says, you're not going to AA because we don't have the correct documentation. Mm-hmm. She's got to go back to court. She, her people, I think, filed something this week asking for all of their documentation to figure this out. You mentioned that you are in recovery. Mm-hmm. When you watch New York and specifically lose struggles and choices, what are you thinking? I'm deeply uncomfortable. It it makes me so uncomfortable. Just the way the most recent episode where they bring champagne to the house. Yeah, that was rough. She held the bottle. She put that bottle in her hands. I will tell you, for me, I can't hold a bottle of alcohol. I won't hold it. If somebody says, can you pick it up for me could you do I won't go into a liquor store I won't and seeing her grab that bottle um and I can't speak for her because it's her own experience but I know that that's something that would make me recoil because it's like holding poison it is and it's also holding like a history and a way that I was and what's holding I, a trigger yeah and they say in the program I'm in not to talk about it in radio press tv entertainment because you shouldn't be 
a spokesperson. This is your journey. This is your experience. And it's not about getting famous or promoting it. It's about being sober. And if Luann really did the work, I think there's just like, I don't know. I can't speak for her, but I do know that it's a personal experience and, and you have to take it seriously. And, and I, I've been in other points in my life where I've struggled with it and not wanted it to be my reality. Like I've admitted mm-hmm, to be mm-hmm. like, I wish I never had an alcohol addiction. Mm-hmm. I never had this. So there's sometimes, even now, like I love bread. I wish I never was obsessed with bread. Like I am angry that I have this flaw in my life. And so sometimes I'll fight against it. I'll be like, yeah, order the bread basket. I'm fine. And then I eat the whole bread basket. Like I, there's like a part of me that is constantly trying to fight against my my inner wants and desires. And I saw that in Luann for her being like, yeah, bring the alcohol. I'm fine with it. So quickly after being so humiliated, she's really trying, and I don't know, I I can't say this for her, but it feels like the times where I've been trying to block out a really icky part of myself and act like it's fine because it's so painful. I, it's almost like somebody is, there's like a spill on the couch and they're putting like 15 different blankets over it, but the spill just keeps, you know, you see the stain coming through. It's not a Jill Zarin rug is what you're saying. (laughs) It can't be easily cleaned. It can't be easily cleaned. So, so I, for me, I've, and I know people, I think you're not really allowed to say, no, I'm not going to wear an ankle monitor if they ask you to wear, like you can't, the audacity, the, the entitlement, like, do you think anybody else who isn't rich and white and obnoxious says no when a court of law says you have to wear an ankle monitor it's not great it's insane I like uh, just the, her her concept of like I don't it matters a lot to me but I'm not going to do it is that I've found it doesn't make you very successful if you're trying to change your lifestyle you just sort of have to give up and give over and say like whatever it takes it's interesting to me Luann's trajectory because I feel like she was the countess first couple seasons then she was be cool don't be all uncool and then she like fell in a bush Mm -hmm. and then it was Mrs. Mm D'Agostino and now it's the cabaret and I feel like when she truly didn't give a shit which lasted for one season with that guy when they were in St. Bart's or wherever the fuck she was with be cool don't be all uncool which I think was the purest season mm-hmm. for her. She and the most honest the whole time, but it was she pure. <laughs> but she, yeah, that's totally true. Yeah. I think she got so much attention mm-hmm. and positive, positive attention from mm-hmm. fans, viewers, whatever, that she bought into it at such a huge extent. It became her identity fully. Right. And I feel like she made, it's like, we made a deposit in the bank of Luann's ego Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and she's been withdrawing ever since. Mm -hmm. Like she thinks that we still think that way about her. And because of that, she thinks she can now play a version of it for us. And now she's genuinely touring the country in a very successful show, which is successful because It's silly. It's silly. And also, how many opportunities do viewers have from all over the country, including major metropolitan cities, to experience something that they have watched on TV? Mm -hmm. She is giving us that access in a different way from Skinny Girl or anything else. Yes, in person. In person, she's giving us a piece of the show live. It's like a book signing. Right? No, it is. (laughs) Over and over again. Yeah. And 
so it's like people ask about like when you go to the show someone was asking this as like of do you go to like make fun of her and it's like no you don't you go because you want to participate you want to be inside it you want to be inside it and she's providing that but now I wonder when she watches the show she's so inside of this right now and inside of her own problems and her own addiction and her own extreme ego that what is going to shift this is it ever possible for her to to ever be cool again or is she going to just continue to be this uncool so I think that everybody likes Luann and I remember like last season when she kept being like guys I fucked up they're like see Luann admitted she fucked up we love her like people just want especially New Yorkers they just want honesty yeah so if you can be I think a little bit of humility yeah I think that's why Bethany keeps even though I find her so caustic she keeps coming back to people because she will admit even though she's yelling at you, she will admit when she's wrong. Yeah. And they, that is endearing. That you can keep going. Like, you you know if your friend hurts you, but she'll definitely apologize later. That, you can give her a little bit more reign than somebody who's just a sociopath and mm-hmm. just ignores it. And I think the only way Luann could really come back in the sense of anybody takes her seriously is if she really, like, throws herself into getting sober, cuts everything out. She might have to leave the show for a minute. I mean, everybody thought she would leave the show. And she just came right from jail to the show. I mean, it's logical. She left rehab early. She left the rehab yes. that Bethany got for her early. Yes. Like, it. it is, the evidence shows that she isn't putting her, or, or her behavior doesn't match up with somebody that I would go like, oh, they're putting their sobriety first and they're very scared they're going to lose it. It doesn't look like she's scared, really. I would also think as a total outsider that, and I mean, sobriety is different for everyone, yeah. that... It would humble you and this whole thing of like, let go and let God or whatever. And the way that she was talking to Bethany about, I wanted you there to celebrate me. And Bethany saying in response, I celebrated you by organizing an intervention. She doesn't see that value yet. I think Luann is going to have to, they say like you have to hit your bottom. Like, I don't think... Yeah. That was her bottom because she was still in the news. I think she, if she's famous and if people are still messaging her and DMing her and people are still showing up to her shows, I don't think she thinks that's a bottom. Even if people are looking at it like that's sad and this show is showing like a very unstable person, if she's still getting fame, I think she still thinks that's that's like a plus. She literally said she bought this horrific circular house in wherever <laughs> the fuck upstate. Oh, I know where that is upstate. Didn't, it's very difficult to get to. She didn't feel like she had enough privacy yeah. because of the paparazzi. She doesn't want privacy. She doesn't. She wants it she when doesn't. she wants it. She wants the narrative to be that she needed privacy because mm-hmm. she's very famous. And I don't doubt that there were a couple days where people wanted photos, including, I'm sure, when Andy showed up at her house to film a special yeah. when she, you know, after she first got arrested. But it felt like, you know, that famous line that Bethany said about Kelly Corn Ben Simone, like, evidently she's she thinks she's Madonna like evidently yes. she's Madonna like Luann thinks she's Patty Lapone. yeah she does but I don't think that Patty Lapone would be like I need to buy a new house because there's a photographer outside in like Sag Harbor or whatever I don't know I mean so Luann definitely is 
she's very much like living her life a la carte. Like she's like, okay, I want to take a little bit of this sobriety and I want to take a little bit of this fame and I want to take a little bit of this and then I want to, she's just trying to run the show and that's very hard. It's And it's not very humbling and it, I don't really think it gives her very many opportunities for change if you've decided you have it all figured out. And the, like, whatever reason, she just wanted to buy a house. Like, whatever the reason was, I we all know she just wanted a new house. And and she kept saying when people in this last episode, like, I did good, right? I landed on my feet. So for her, buying a house meant that, like, we can sweep the um, mugshot under the rug, right? Like, you saw she almost wants to have, like, the prize and riches within three weeks of her failure. And that's if you've been through any sort of life change, you know that you sort of have to ride the ride and make a change. And you might want to be better in two weeks, but it might take you two years. Like you can't really, it's like breaking your knee. You might want your knee to heal by the time you have to go out for dinner that evening, but your knee's going to heal as long as it needs to heal. And so I think like it was just so transparent how she kept saying, look guys, look how good I'm doing. And everybody knows she's still, she's not great. It also felt a little bit like when she was engaged and we knew yes. that D'Agostino was stepping out on her. And there was yes. that scene that Barbara Kay tried to get an injunction against Barbara for, uh, against Bravo for saying, like, she knows that he fucked up, but she's unwilling to say that this was a mistake. She would rather get married and then divorced mm-hmm. than say that she was wrong in she's making a bad choice. strong-willed and wants what she wants. I mean, there's a reason she is a real housewife of New York like people we sort of like all of these characters it's sort of interesting I don't remember what show it was but um what podcast guys I don't even know how legit this is but people basically saying like these cast members are picked for a reason because they are incredibly strong-willed they're very passionate and they've gotten to this point in their lives and so seeing them respond to adversity it's not that surprising and also, she's probably been like this her entire yes. life. She was a countess was for a, a reason. She was looking the other way. Yes. She went from being a nurse in Connecticut to living in a fucking chalet in Stad or whatever she's the fuck she was. Her, well, that's what's really hard, too, is it? Okay, so she's She's, made she's her a survivalist. Reality. Yes. And when you have a history of doing things for yourself and it coming to you easily or it going well, whatever, even if it was hard, it's very hard to... Uh, to sort of hum- I, I'm t- she has a lot of faith in her own control and so it's really hard to then like let go of control and try and get help and go you know find doctors or somebody else that could help you when you have such a historic and also like a an emotional belief that you've done it really right on your own so no other power above you could really help there's nobody bigger than you if, if you've got it all figured out does that make sense? This is maybe one of the fa- my most favorite episodes <laughs> I've ever done. I just feel like you're throwing so many nuggets of like psychological insight. I feel and deeply I find for that these f- women, and I, I, as well, we should, by the way. Yes, and but I, I find it. I have to take breaks from Real Housewives. I get very sad and very like in New Jersey when they were talking about kids. Like I started to, my husband would come in the room and I'd be like, "What do you want from me?" Like I would get like, wait, talking about kids in what way? Anything, like anytime a child is involved, like a Melania with the long nails, feeling sad about daddy. Yes, okay. anytime somebody is. Or I see a kid on a show and the mom's telling her she should look different or this or that. Like, mm. I get very sad and I have to take a break from Real Housewives and then I can come back to it. Is it because you connect with that child? I think I feel for everyone. I feel I am so... De- I don't think I'm an empath, but I just, through the TV, I 
feel so deeply what they're feeling. And I, I have to take a breather and then I can come back to it. So how does that, circling back to something you said when we started, how does that add up with watching this mm-hmm. when you were going through postpartum depression? So, okay, so this is cool that nobody told me about. So postpartum depression, just the reason they add postpartum to the top of that phrase is because it's a, within one year of having a baby. Yeah. But it's the same diagnosis code as depression. Right. But it's clinical people, depression. Yeah, that I've had my whole life. Like, it, But I thought it was psychosis. I thought it was the postpartum depression people talked about in the 80s where women were driving off bridges. And like, I was so afraid of it. I was really isolated. And seeing these, and I wanted to stay at home. And I just, my book, I just had my book release while I was pregnant. Things were going so well. And then towards the end of my pregnancy, um, I think, the, yeah, the baby was born in January. My book came out in September. So I did months of a tour. I did PR. I was on. Pod- Wait, right after having a baby? No, my book came out while I was pregnant. <laughs> oh. And I had my baby right after oh, my I book. Oh, I see what you're saying. Okay. And so the, towards the end of my pregnancy, I had, the baby was so big, he was pressing on a nerve in my leg. So I oh couldn't, God. it hurt to walk. <gasps> so I was home. I had this like amazing, really like fun, wild life while being pregnant, feeling just like Portia, feeling like on top of the world. It was the best time of my life. Also very, um, very exposed, a lot of Instagram posts, very public because I was going places and connecting with people and it was very fun. And then it got very quiet because my book was over. We're just waiting for the baby to come. I was in pain. And the only fun sparkly thing was these crazy women on TV. And literally, like, the font of Beverly Hills was interesting to me. The, the cut edits. Like, it just looked like candy and fun and, and a lot of escapism. And so I would watch it. And then I – so I watched it while I was at the end of my pregnancy. Then my baby was born. I had a tough birth and was very sad afterwards. Loving my child but just, like, couldn't figure out – and it was just such a juxtaposition from, like, that strong career movement to having nothing – going on besides this baby which is he's wonderful like I'm not saying anything about him but just feeling like a a career driven a lot of stuff on social media a lot of things that aren't really what matter in life but just a lot of attention in that way um and then having things be very quiet and still in a sense then watching that online on tv was like fun and it felt like I was also a part of what was happening in the world mm-hmm. like people were talking about Real Housewives I was listening to podcasts I was listening to what was going on and even though I couldn't physically leave my house because I had complications with a cesarean like I felt like I was leaving my house by watching all of this mm. so I got really into it and then it got me really uh really sad and it made me feel really bad and I started getting like cranky and bitchy to my husband <laughs> nicest person in the world and I would just because I would what they were feeling and what their frustration was and what their toughness was was I was like feeling that I'm also an actress so I was like I I used to have this when I was a kid I used to watch a movie and then be like that actor that character right afterwards like it just it I felt how they were feeling and I had to take a break who who affected you the most positively or negatively a lot of um Nini on Atlanta I was very upset for her because I feel like she has a very thick, thick defense mechanism. And it's the editors have been with her for a million years. The the directors, they know when she's cracking, but she will never let go. That really upset me. Um, Seeing how, this is during Atlanta seeing, seeing how um, Kenya was, 
kind of being controlled by her husband towards the end. Like that really, really got to me. Like because he didn't want her to yeah, be on camera. And and at the reunion, Andy's like, no, he said, you right. know, it was like frivolous or whatever. And so I don't know what my obsession is, but I really try and pick up on the things they're not showing. Yeah, that's great. And I just can't help myself. But I got very worried. And then privately, I'd be like, I hope Kenya's okay. And I hope this doesn't affect her career. Like, I would just worry about her a lot. <laughs> and like, I really hope this baby goes well. And that, you know, this doesn't end badly for her. And that she can, and I just, I would just ruminate over these people that I don't know. And it made me really sad. And so I would have to go like, okay, there's enough stuff going on. I need to watch like Nailed It with like Nicole Byer, who's like a queen. I know. So I I have to take a break and come back. And then Vanderpump I really liked because it was like this candy of like stupidity and all these people. Vanderpump Rules. Yes. Vanderpump Rules. But then the alcoholism with all of the characters got so intense. And I, for me, I don't think that the other characters – knew or were qualified to really help anyone through certain addictions that I saw. And so that made me had to take a break from that. So what are your thoughts on what's been going on from on the reunion right now with pump rolls? Um, I think Jax is like an abusive person. I think he's an, an a abuser, emotionally abusive and really controlling. And um, that really creeps me out when I watch him. Um, and I think James Kennedy he has admitted to his alcohol issues, but I think there's a rift between him and Lala now because now that Lala is saying she's gotten sober, uh, I think she's saying like, and you could too, and James is taking that as like a threat. And then for Sandoval to say, you know, you're on like an upper and him to lash out, like he's he's on, he's medicated, he's on something. He's on, if it's not, everyone's saying it's like Coke, he could be on, who knows, anything. He's on pasta. He's on pasta. So I think there, there's just so much alcohol addiction in there that it's, insanity so I asked folks in um an insta story yes um whose side are you on mm-hmm. let me just check oh I think we've we've been recording for so long that I didn't actually <laughs> save it oh my god how long have no, we been recording I, for a hot second um I saw it was the majority of people the majority of people were team James so yes. whose whose team are you on team James v Jax um I think that at this point, Jax is trying to say, like, this isn't fair, and hey, he's calling me out, let's call him out. But I don't care about Jax needing anything fair, because I think he's a monster. Like, I think he's just, like, a mm. terrible person and treats women really badly, and mm-hmm. a user and uh, I mean, a user of women. Mm-hmm. So I don't care that he feels that it's not fair, so I am team James on that side. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't care that Jax is crying wolf right now. Like, he's mm-hmm. so creepy and gross, and a senior citizen. And mm-hmm. James is somebody who needs help he and he just seeing him cry to lvp like he needs to be mothered yeah on your podcast that uh one of your last guests was just saying that he like kind of grew up inside he like wasn't treated well as a child and then he grew up at, at like 21 in the show and like he's just he's like calling out for help but i don't but he just seems like an abused puppy. And I feel like he's surrounded by sycophants. If Lou yes. is, then so is James. His family, who's financially dependent on it, on him, um, his girlfriend, who is yes. just... She's tragic to me. I know everybody hates her. She's, like, very sad to me. Because she doesn't know well, where the fuck she is. In this last episode in the reunion, it was episode two of the reunion, she is getting a master's. And so, like, for her to spend this much time in school and schooling, and she said to Andy, like... He said, like, is it a trigger for you or is it really hurtful that people think you're stupid? Like, she has gone to extreme lengths to not 
be stupid and to not come off as ignorant. But I think she's just like, as she said, she has social anxiety. She's might, might not be as fast as Lala yeah. as quick, but I think she like, I think that is, it's just so hard. They really cut at the essence of everyone. Like I think she has probably her whole life. People have called her stupid or dumb or like not all there or worthless. You know, like what you think of when you think of a pretty beauty queen, you think of them as the, like just icky stereotypes people have so she's clearly worked very hard to get around that and then to have to sit down with these people and they just keep bashing her I have a satchel of gold from Megan Boston I feel like Katie lost some credibility yelling at James Mm -hmm. saying all my parents got divorced poor me I think it's clear James has scary has scary and an intense relationship with his parents especially his mom while it doesn't forgive his behavior I feel like they could have at least maybe acknowledged that at least some of his issues may stem from that sad situation oh yeah I don't think anybody, any of those people on the show are going, are thinking deeply at any moment. I mean, Sandoval, maybe, because he was the only one who was saying, like, guys, look, it's two sides. And he was ostracized for that. He was very angry. Yeah. I feel like I was in the minority when I watched it the first time because, and also last week, too, because I I just, I just dislike James so much that it's hard for me to see the other side. But, you know, here's a satchel from Chelsea in San Diego. I don't like James and I don't want to defend him, but the rest of the cast are such hypocrites. I agree with Sandoval. It was laughable when they were pissed that production showed the story of James helping his family because they also help their families. But when Andy asked him about it, they said they didn't want to talk about it. It's such a joke. Mm-hmm. They don't have to talk about it, but don't get mad when he does. I'm also really interested in the Sandoval Jack situation. Is he still going to be in the wedding? They were disgusted that Sandoval would speak up for James, especially Brittany. We saw another side to her in the reunion. I thought there was something up with Jackson Sandoval because I didn't see them on each other's Insta much or at all, even before the season started. And in a recent pics of Jack, pic of Jacks, someone asked if it was taken at Sandoval's new house. And he said, no, haven't seen it. I mean, I was <laughs> confused by Sandoval's behavior and what seemed like an enormous amount of anger Mm -hmm. directed at people that he has known for many many years and I wondered how much of that I think he watched the show back it's sort of I feel like at reunions are really interesting when they come into the reunion right they've seen episodes that haven't yet aired there's a whole change in them right and it seems like Sandoval saw that James as more of a victim which actually Lisa Vanderpump said producer wise we had to show both sides of James or you would hate him so Lisa like admitted that she wanted to show another side of James. And I think that's what upset Katie is that she was invested on showing multiple facets of him as a person and not on anybody else. And so I think Sandoval maybe was turned in the way of like, yeah, this is very sad, guys. We're dealing with a sad young person. And that pissed everybody off. Do you think that they have the right to be upset? I don't know. They're all monsters. (laughs) They are all monsters. monsters. It's so hard. They're all monsters. Lala saying she wasn't aggressive because she didn't draw blood was like, oh man. When I I watch these reunions, they go, you know what? I'm done with it. We're over. It's done. And it's like, have I ever in my life in any argument been able to just like shut someone up and go like, you know what? No, I'm not even going to address it anymore. We're done. No, you can't do that in real life. Meanwhile, Jax had his bachelor party last night or the night before. I don't know that Sandoval was there. Like, he literally was like, when they were going to a break, he's like, okay, Bo's in. He really, I, that, yeah. I don't know. I was so confused. How can you all support Jax? He's such a monster. And and literally, Jax is like, oh, God. I, I just, he's so creepy to me. 
He's so creepy to me. And I don't like Britney. I'll be the only one to say it. She's not great. She doesn't do it for me. Why doesn't she do it for you? She's just there. She's not, she doesn't help. She's just, that whole situation, she just doesn't, she doesn't, it's not for me. She's just not for me. Speaking of not for you. Yeah. <laughs> you said before we started recording that you are from Potomac. I am. So what well, are your Bethesda, which is next to Potomac. Fine. Yeah. It's over there. I it's know. But anybody yonder. listening is like, <laughs> <laughs> so what are your thoughts? You mentioned that okay. you don't, this you don't die so from funny. Potomac, which by the way, I just have to say to start this conversation, not to say I'm like diametrically opposed to whatever you're about to say, but I think Potomac, the first three episodes or how many we're in the best Real Housewife show currently on air. They are. Yeah. It is phenomenal. Oh, it's great. Um, I don't like watching it at all. <laughs> and I won't. And I watched it for this. I watched the most recent one for this because they show a thing and they're like city of Rockville. And I'm like, guys, I went to high school in Rockville. Like it, this is like where I grew up and it really bothers me seeing it on TV for some reason because it's not fancy. I'm like, it's Maryland. We know it. We all, I was growing up going like, I can't wait to move to New York. I can't wait to move to LA. Like move to some place that's more aspirational than like Potomac. Maryland. But the thing with Potomac with this specific show is that it wasn't filmed to be a housewife show. It was filmed to be a spinoff of these women who are part of Jack and Jill, which my former roommate, who's a woman of color, was telling me about because I'd never heard about it. And it's, mm. I, I'm going to, I'm sorry guys if I'm fucking this up, but it's like an organization, I think for upwardly mobile women of color mm -hmm. for like play dates with their kids kind of thing oh, I didn't know like that. their version of like a jcc kind of situation okay. i think so and then after they filmed it was decided that the first season would be housewives of potomac oh great and i don't know so, what my reason was of saying that but it was somehow to defend potomac well, you're saying they're just like it was started in a under the auspices of something different, which is why when you hear Real Housewives of Potomac and you're like, what? It's because maybe they were bringing it so well that Bravo HQ was like, oh, this has to be a housewife or they didn't sense. know how to package it. So Potomac is very popular because it is a suburb of D.C. And it is um, D.C. is where everything's happening, sports teams, political things. And then we used to drive around Potomac for fun when we needed something to do and we weren't like, you know, the mall was closed. You drive around Potomac just in your car with your friends to look at these like gorgeous houses and gorgeous mansions. And they're, the, the roads are so nicely laid out. It's just so pretty and it's really easy to get to. And it's like a beautiful neighborhood. So what are your experiences? What do you think about actually the quality of the show? I think it's fine. I think like it just like turns my stomach every time we see something like a a sign for like the town of Bethesda or like something I'm like oh god because like, you're too close to it too close and it's also not uh, it's not um what is it like aspirational to me in any way I want to get the hell out of Maryland and it's so interesting because Potomac that's a good um response because it I don't think of Potomac of this show in any way aspirational mm -mm. but I still fucking love it because well, I almost feel like it's it is still so escapist because like there is no one more escapist from reality than Karen Huger and the Black Bill Gates. Yes. Like and Giselle, her face, oh, her body. I mean, she's these phenomenal. women are gorgeous. The yeah. wedding was ridiculous. I mean, these what these a women waste of money that beautiful luxury. wedding was. Yeah. Two hundred thousand dollars of her mom, who is allegedly a therapist. I don't know what the hell's going on with that. That is so bizarre. Her mom is emotionally abusive to her child. And yeah, and manipulative. And Candace and her new husband have zero interest in tapping out. If we're going to talk about no, Luann stay. making withdrawal and deposits into the bank of ego, like they are not going to. Candace is not willing to sacrifice her 
financial infusions no. by taking a stand and being an independent no, adult woman. It's never she's never had to. It's not going to work out for her that way. She's going to do it with her mom. And that's it. Her mom's anger for an innocent, seemingly lovely, super so normal sweet. 40-year-old man that's so cruel who did nothing wrong, no. who's father may or may not be a dick or at least made one serious yeah. mistake you can't it's very dark you can't <sighs> yeah it's so sad it's like she you it's a child he's the he's he is an actual victim of the situation you can't make him pay for it he didn't choose to come into this world that way like he's just a person and as much as she's just a person like it's just it's so mean and icky almost this is like terrible of me but sometimes I'm like are they just really pushing it to have a story on the show no I think her mom really sucks yeah she does suck I feel like like, Potomac is the closest to not pushing it I feel like Karen Huger is genuinely Uh insane I think Michael Darby oh the scenes for next week of him like was I mic'd or whatever because he was talking about sucking someone's dick on this thing he just said, oh, I was going to hit him on the ass, but decided not to. On the most recent episode, he yeah, makes a about sly Chris, comment. I think. Yeah, about I was going to smack him on the ass to say hi. And we all know that he gets in trouble for, for touching a camera guy's ass later. That's crazy. And she's pregnant. I know. It's not great. No. No. It's not great and here's the thing you can see all of these relationships like crumbling in so many of the franchises but i will say new jersey a lot of them are still together (laughs) somehow a lot of them stay together to their own detriment if you look at tree and joe yeah juicy joe is they're gross but it's like he's dried up a little bit yeah but i just there's something like where you can see things like pulling at the seams like it's just so painful so why would I want to watch Potomac if it's like super painful and then it reminds me of like shitty childhood memories? Because <laughs> sometimes you need to take a walk down memory lane Ugh, to watch. It's so uncomfortable. I mean, that wedding with him I mean, when giving were, vows and lyrics, which was, that was so, so bad. Dumb. It was so, so dumb. It was so dumb. Wait, okay. This is like way not even related to what we're talking oh, good, about. Good, good. When the mime comes in last season, I did see that when the mime so comes good. in somebody. I've eaten at that restaurant. Like we used to hang out there. Like that drives me crazy because that's where I used to be. Wait, have you eaten at Oz? Ashley Darby and Michael Darby's no, restaurant? No, I have not yet. Which friend of the show, but Ryan Houlihan, yeah, right. said was like really great. Yes. Which I was like, how is that possible? They serve kangaroo sliders know. or whatever. They like serve like it. endangered animals as a amuse-bouche. <laughs> but like <laughs> kudos to them. Who's going to get the restaurant and the divorce, I wonder? Maybe her mom. Oh, if Karen gosh. has anything to do with it. Yeah. It's possible. Wait, is Karen representing her? No, Karen said that like, if you continue to fuck with me, I'm going to sue you for your restaurant and give it to your oh. mother. Which I thought was because in the back of my mind, I was like, "Wait, is Karen a divorce attorney? Like, there's I feel like she could pop anything out. She, She's like a Phaedra in a sense that she could just like she could cover it all. Coffins, yeah. no, for divorce. real. She's coming out with a fragrance. It's her fashion show oh, with yes. no fashion. She's a fragrance, so she spent a dollar fifty to have a fake billboard, which was just a I screen say coming soon, so That's that someone can take an Instagram dream. story. I, I mean, it's really would love to do that for myself. Oh my god, we need to we'll put one up together. <laughs> I I thought this week was interesting because I loved. The Sherman subplot of like, he's fucking with me. How dare he not come to this? It's because he's a bad boyfriend when it's like, cool, cool, cool. I think the reason he's not going is because he doesn't want to be filmed with people Mm -hmm. who brought up some of his like 
infidelities and legal stuff in the past. I don't think he wants to be, I don't think he, he, um, canceled going so soon before the wedding because he was being a shitty guy, which he may well be. Mm -hmm. I think he was canceling before the wedding because he just decided that he didn't want to be on camera. Well, I also think it's fascinating to see like Giselle's transformation. Like she was literally weeping during the ceremony. It really hurt her. It really hurt that I think she thought they were going to get to this next level. And she yeah, she went out therapy. on a limb. She gave him a chance. Mm-hmm. She really was so brokenhearted. And then as she starts drinking and having fun, she's like, that's it. Never again. <laughs> like she just I know. She's like, he can go fuck him himself. Out. I know. I thought it was so Cal is there or whatever. Yeah. I was very into Cal. Cal is the opposite of oh, Matt. Yes. I was a thousand percent into Cal. Yeah. Um, I am a thousand percent into you. This was, <laughs> I have, I hope none of the housewives listen to this. This, I mean, <laughs> I mean Hopefully PK doesn't have a Google alert. I'm so scared of him. This was really fascinating. And ultimately, it's all about my experience. Really, it is. Anybody else? Um, I have to say, this was really, really (laughs) fascinating. And I can't wait to have you back. I am nervous for how TV is going to respond. Oh, they can hate me. That's fine. Cool. Just I hope you guys know that um, iTunes told me they're closed for maintenance. So maybe don't leave a review. Oh, that's great. <laughs> the next couple of hours. They didn't say that. But no. just kidding. They did. That's a scam that I just said that I just no, made up with. Go for it. Look it up. Um, I don't. Yeah. Yeah. No, tell I'll me. Say, I'll say I don't hate her. I think she is masterful. She's very good at her job. That's it. That's it. I hope she's she, she she's not giving 14 days notice by saying she won't go to Camille's wedding. Like I I am. I am concerned. Camille is crazy. I am obsessed with Camille and she needs to be back full time forever and ever. Amen. Um. <laughs> Because she's giving us stuff, uh-huh. even if it's all in like confessionals and she won't give it on camera. I am nervous for how these women are going to self-produce because they are nowhere near as smart as LVP no. is. And they don't understand that ultimately you need to have conflict. They just yes. want to be friends. And, and they just want to look good. Right. And the show, as Brian Moylan calls it, is rich women doing things. And I don't <laughs> yes. really need to see that. I need yeah. to see other stuff going on. I need to see all of Denise Richards. I just want to oh, follow gosh. her. She is so cool. She's the opposite of a scam. Oh my. Wow. I, is what wow. I would say. Just wow. She's amazing. Watching her while they're talking about stuff and talking about anal and she's just sitting in the corner like, you guys have no idea. It's just, she's amazing. She's exquisite. She is one of the best housewives of all time. I, and one I of the best season wanna, ones. Yes. And I don't want seasons. the housewives franchise to change her. Like that's the thing is you've seen other people come in fresh and then she's just so authentic and she's so much cooler than all of them. Honestly, she survived Charlie Sheen. She will stay herself. uh, I just want to watch her for years. Like I just like I I just look for her on the screen. I want to see her input like the way she is about her boy, her husband now. I, I am so here for it. I am so here for you. Guys, <laughs> I have a little audio clip from the um, AG International Kiki. I'm going to have it on next week's episode, so stay tuned for that. And guys, let me know. Do you want me to do a little AG Fan Kiki in New York? I yes. like. I feel like I'm in the mood for it. It was so fun. Shout out to um, the fans that attended. I had so, so much fun. So I'm thinking about that. So um, we'll take a little selfie maybe or whatever. You'll see my dress <laughs> from Paris. And let us know if you want to... Uh, participate in a little fan situation maybe at the regency i love it oh my god i love when i speak out loud and i do not think at all but you're like <laughs> talking about and, and now it's gonna plan <laughs> this is probably gonna happen it's probably gonna happen like an hour um tell the folks how to follow you on everything ever so we already talked at nauseam about my podcast scamwell podcast tell us a 20 second pitch of your book 
Oh, so my book. So this is nothing to do with what we talked about today. I am a, um, I'm BRCA BRCA1 positive. So Angelina Jolie, right? Yes. Me and Ange are like twins. Yeah. Um, and so that just means I had a much higher risk of getting breast cancer. And I like kind of alluded to this, but a lot of my family members, my dad's the only surviving person in his family. They've all died oh my of cancers. God. Yeah. So growing up was really rough and I believed I was going to get <sighs> breast cancer. It's a scary, if you've ever helped anybody through cancer, it's tremendous Mm -hmm. and upsetting so I wrote a comedic based memoir about getting a preventative double mastectomy like Angelina Jolie because I just wanted people to be more honest like I need the jig to be up like we can't Angelina Jolie is amazing and she really opened the door but I wanted to just give people like the tons of details like you will need to get an armpit wax before surgery like let's just talk about it let's talk about how scary it is and I I had spent years um so afraid of getting cancer or anything about cancer I didn't even want to go to the doctor I didn't want to be in the room I thought like going to a a place that treated cancer patients if I didn't have cancer it would suddenly I'd catch it like I just even though I know all of that's not true I was so far removed from it and the moment that I started actually doing tiny steps to be present and aware of what my what's going on in my health I felt a million times better Hmm. so this book isn't like I wanted it to just be something that you could sit on your coffee table. Sometimes you'd look into it. Mm-hmm. It's not as intense as a cancer pamphlet. Like I'm not, I'm not a hospital. Like sometimes you just need a girlfriend to talk you through something that's overwhelming. Oh my God. I need to read it post haste. You just sold it to me. One <laughs> so copy <good>. sold. <laughs> um, it's called dangerous boobies. Yeah. Breaking up with my time bomb breasts. Oh my God. And um, Rachel, oh my God. Rachel Bloom wrote my foreword. Oh, crazy ex-girlfriend. She's lovely. Love. Okay, Caitlin Broderick, tell the people, Caitlin Broderick slash Broderick, (laughs) because I still cannot say your name. Tell the people how to follow you on Twitter and Instagram. So on Twitter and Instagram, my first name is my nickname as a kid. It's C-A-I-T-Y, Katie Broderick, B-R-O-D-N-I-C-K. And it's on Insta or Twitter, um, or you can find me on Facebook. I have a Caitlin Broderick page for anything dangerous boobies or breast cancer advice. So amazing. <laughs> Guys, Twitter at Sarah Galley, Instagram at Dame Galley. We're going to take a little photo. Maybe you'll see my dress from Paris. Tell me I'm a hashtag skinny legend. Um, guys, 100% award of the week goes to my fish, Archie Bador Galley, because the Duchess and Duke of Sus- Sussex, I cannot talk, had a baby and named it after my yes. beta fish, named after Shannon Bador's dog. And he survived your trip to Paris. He did. My roommate told me that she looked, stared at him every day and was so scared <laughs> that he was going to die while I was gone. And I'm such a good parent that I not once asked her how he was I forgot the second I stepped in Europe I was like oh my god you're on your own you're free right and so is Archie except not because he's stuck in a little bowl but he's living (laughs) his best life um this was wonderful (laughs) I can't say enough about how much this is how selfish and self-absorbed I am I like can't say enough about how much I myself enjoyed this episode um so Luann and I have a couple things in common by the mob Um, (laughs) yeah the mom might kill you but maybe Caroline Manzo won't so we'll we'll hope for the best this was a pleasure guys I can't wait to kiki with you next week and next week um you'll also enjoy a fun little um clip of the international kiki that happened in London. Let me know your thoughts on doing a New York Kiki. Maybe in the next couple of weeks. Again, this is inappropriate. Stay tuned. Stay, Stay tuned. tuned. Um, guys, I love all of you. I'm so happy to be back. Uh, and we will um, sass with you again soon. Bye, guys. Bye.